It's the Blue Boat Cafe, a little bit wonkish, a whole lot of fun. Hello, I'm David Schellenberg. Along with me is Rachel Oyster, the co-chairs for Democrats Abroad in Canada's capital region, which is code for Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. <laughs> Hello, David. Yes, because Ottawa likes to think of itself as the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. And the and, uh, United States has Washington, D.C., this district of uh, Columbia. And, yes. And in Canada, it is somewhat the same thing in that Ottawa crosses borders into between Ontario and Quebec, these two provinces. And we also, Canada is just so large that we have all these other cities and towns and stuff in our region that that we uh, we just have to remember at all times. That's right. Who's with <laughs> That's us so today? Everyone feels included. Yes. Our, yes. Our guest today is Julia Bryan, who is the chair, we might even say the global chair of Democrats Abroad. <laughs> Hello. Hi, guys. Hello, Julia. <laughs> Hi, Julia. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> oh, really? My pleasure. Oh, my goodness. Uh, are you nervous? The, are you excited to be on the podcast? <laughs> oh, of course. And, you know, I was going to say, I'm not exactly in Central Canada, but I am in Central Europe. And the Czechs love to think of themselves as right in the middle of the world because we're right in the middle of the heart of Europe. Right. Oh, that's perfect. And in fact, that would have been our first question. Where are you? And the other question we'd like to ask our guests first is, what state do you vote out of? Oh, it's a great question. I'm actually from Charleston, South Carolina, but I vote in North Carolina because it's where I last resided before I moved abroad. And just for anyone listening who hasn't yet registered, you can register where you last lived, regardless of if you lived there 40 years ago and it's now a McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> Well, yeah, because there's, there's kind of two sections we want to talk about. So we're recording this on October 20th. And so we want to talk about what's going to happen over the next week or so. And then after that, get into what on earth is Julia Bryan and what on earth is Democrats Abroad and, and everything. But so October 20th today. And what are we seeing for everybody voting from around the world? Well, we're, you know, right now, uh, there are still some states where you can register and request your ballots. And if you are, have not yet gotten started, please go to votefromabroad.org and do get started because there are some great states like North Carolina, very important, Arizona, incredibly important, and Florida, very, very, very important, where you can still uh, request your ballot and send it back to your state, either through email or fax. Um, interestingly, you know, Florida is a fax state. It's what we call a state that where you have to return your ballot and the fastest way to return it is through fax. But the great thing is there's all these email to fax solutions that you can use for Florida, which we recommend. So that's, uh, that's one group of people who are still actively getting their ballots and voting. But right now there are a lot of people who have their ballots and what we're doing right now with Democrats Abroad is helping them get their ballots back to the United States. We're spending a lot of time on logistics. And again, if you have your ballot sitting in front of you, now is the time to not just have it sit in front of you, but it, you should vote it and send it back pronto. Exactly. Yeah, and that goes on at the global level, at the chapter level, at the country level, at the at the individual level. It's all over the place. And we're hearing, you know, we hear from voters on all of our social channels. We hear from voters and walking down the street. You, It's amazing. There's going to be an American voter everywhere you go. Every time I go outside my house, I run into an American who's like, Julia, I have a voting problem. And I'm like, and I have a voting answer for you. So it's an amazing time of year, really. Well, it really is. And one of the things that we've noticed is 
so many different states. I mean, you just named a couple of different states, and it's different across every single state, which I think a lot adds to a lot of the confusion of it. My my state is Iowa, and this year they emailed me a ballot, which I filled out and emailed back, and it really was the easiest thing of all time. And then I got a lovely confirmation email from the state saying your ballot has been received. I know that's great. And in fact, we recommend to everybody that you don't just like send your ballot off into the ether. Make sure you're tracking it. Make sure you're watching to make sure it's accepted. It's really important because in some states like Florida, where they match signatures, they're going to match your ballot signature um, against your registration signature. They might throw out your ballot unless you do something called curing it. So it's really important for us all to be paying attention to make sure our ballots get to where they're going and that they're accepted. If you're wetting it, what was the word? Curing it. That's an interesting word that means basically the state will get in touch with you. And Florida is doing this right now. We're helping them. We're we're getting in touch with Florida voters who they've given a list list of all the Democratic voters who need to have their ballots cured and they're outside the United States. So we are helping them reach out to these Americans abroad and say, hey, here's an affidavit you need to sign, fill in some information, some further ID and send it back to Florida to make sure your ballot's counted. Mm Mm-hmm. Curing is like curing, curing meat, like that kind of a curing. No, like (laughs) fixing something, like healing it. (laughs) Curing. No, it's not. Yes, it's it's like fixing something. (laughs) The ballot was ailing, and you're making it well. Exactly right, Rachel. (laughs) Exactly right. I've never heard that word before. Curing. Yeah. Why not not just say fixing? It's not as fancy. I, I don't know. Oh, this is, no, this is way more confusing. Ah, that's, poli- that's American politics. Let's find the confusing word. Well, it dates back 200 years, probably. Uh, <laughs> true. We, we should look it up. Another podcast. Yeah, good idea. All the archaic technology. I mean, vocabulary. Exactly. Exactly. Well, technology, too, for that matter. <laughs> because not all states are as civilized as Iowa, and in my case, Massachusetts, where we that's, can vote by email. Yeah. That's really, really the case. You know, we're... When you look at states like Arizona that has some of the most um, uh, the most modern technology, and then you look at other states, and I won't name names, but <laughs> definitely don't. And you just wonder, my goodness, there needs to be some consistency. And that's we're going to be talking about that later about some of the things that we're going to be doing as an organization to help bring consistency to the overseas vote. Wonderful. Before we do that, I know you have your eye on measuring our activity. Are there some statistics or or just um, fun facts that you'd like to share about how much DA is doing right now? Oh, absolutely. Well, so far we've made over 560,000 phone calls. Oh my God. I know, it's tremendous. Canada is doing its job. My God, you guys are knocking it out of the park. And, you know, our our callers are all over the world. They can call in any time. There's always going to be a campaign running because we're a 24-7 organization. And they're just really making a big difference in in our voting population. And then we're running digital ads all over the place. We have increased the abroad vote um, and uh, the audience going to vote from abroad, which is our online voter tool, by 2.6 times uh, over 2016 this year. Wow. wow. That's amazing. It is amazing. It's so impressive. We have this, we have amazing teams working globally, regionally, and at the local level to, to do this, all of this work. And it's really paying off. I love to see the energy and the, the turnout, frankly. It's, a, it's remarkable. And I think based on our numbers and based on what I've heard from some of our partners, that we're going to, we're well on track to double the overseas vote. 
That's amazing. That's incredible. I mean, because for like David and me, we're co-chairs of a local chapter. We see things at the ground level, but, but hearing, you know, the sort of sky view picture, that's awesome. It is awesome. And you know, it's so important too, because almost half of our votes go back to battleground states. That's really important. And in 2016, there are so many tight races in these battleground states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Florida and North Carolina. And when we are doubling our margins, that can make a really big difference. Absolutely. Let's look at Iowa, just like, you know, where David's votes are going back. If we can uh, cover the margin for Teresa um, Greenfield, that will be a great thing. We can win that Senate race. It's one of the tightest Senate races in the country right now. And I'd love to win it from abroad. That would be great. Well, yeah. and, that, and that's part of the story, too. It's not just the vote for the White House. When you vote from abroad, you're voting all sorts of, of different positions. You're voting all the way down the ticket in some states, or actually probably many of them. I'm a North Carolina voter. I vote for everything all the way down to dog catcher. And yes, same. You know, and, yeah. yeah, it really pays off, too, because it's really important for everyone to vote as far down as you can. Because the dog catcher could, <laughs> I was going to say the dog catcher could be your next president. That's right. <laughs> and also, it's so important for everybody to remember to vote for the state senators, the, you know, the state house reps, because they're the ones making gerrymandering decisions. And they're the ones making state legislation for um, voter laws. So we are directly impacted by the people we're electing at the state house level. Exactly. I did find it oddly complicated to figure out some of those dog catcher type positions because you sit there with your ballot and you Google all these names and who knows who they are really. So you sort of hope you're voting for the right one. Yeah, I know in Massachusetts, I think the lowest actual office that I vote for is Register of Deeds or Registrar of Deeds, I guess it would be. And yes, finding those people, anything about them, some have websites, some don't. Sometimes they're races covered in the local papers, sometimes not. Yeah, that's what I went through with with judges. And I know voting for judges, (laughs) I I still think is a weird sort of thing. But you you Google these, uh, these justices and like, I have no idea who they are, what side they're on. That's, that's right. Actually, I think judges are one of the most difficult um, races that we have to work with. But one thing I always tell people is like, look, we have the privilege of sitting in front of our computers while we're voting. It makes it much easier. Think if you're standing at the, you know, in a polling station, yes. you're not, you're going, oh, I have no idea who this judge is. And I mean, unless you've taken the time ahead of time to do the research, you're going to be, uh, it's going to be harder for you than, you know, when we're sitting here in our comfy desk chairs, looking that person up before we vote. Right. Yeah, it's true. That is an advantage. So, Julia, what do you hear um, when people don't vote? And I, and I know people tell me why they don't vote, but what, what do you hear? What is the reason why people don't request their ballots and don't send them back in? Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is, I think a lot of people request their ballots because that's an easier process. But in 2016, like about 300 thousand people um, got ballots and didn't send them back in, which is amazing if you think about it. So I think it's a lot about it, the um, the logistics. Right. It's just tough. You're trying, you're reading through the instructions and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to postal mail this ballot back or I'm going to have to figure out how to take a picture of it and put it into a PDF. And sometimes they they, they lose the will to, to do this. And you know, that's one of the things that we're here for is to give them the boost and the, the energy and the help to get those ballots back. And I think that's really important. And I would say that's the number one reason why people don't get their ballots back Mm -hmm. in terms of whether or not they vote or not. It's also a lot of people just don't know they can vote. And so that's really important. It's one of the number one things that we do is let people know that they can vote um, and uh, and that their vote counts. Knowing your vote counts 
makes a big difference for voters. Like I hear a lot of times people don't request their ballot because they don't want the United States to know where they are. And well, I always sort of figure it. I think they know where you are anyways. Well, that's true. I, I know. I mean, it's a, it's a, um, I, I think that's really true. And one thing that we do tell people is that uh, your taxation status is not tied. Uh, it's not the first thing that, that will, um, if you vote and that's, they're, they're not connected really. Right. 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 Exactly. So how did you end up where you are? What brought you into Democrats abroad and how did you become chair? Well, I moved over to Prague in 1999 uh, to work at a development company, and I was uh, I was you know running this company, and um, I, I actually took it over after two years and made it my own company, and and I loved all the projects I did. But I have always been interested in democratic politics. My father and my my mother raised me to think that the, that's really important to uh, be a democrat to do things for other people, and so. When I got here and I saw this opportunity to get out the vote for Americans abroad, I, I started doing that. And then I helped found the Czech Republic's country committee ah. and I became um, the vice chair. And then I became the chair right before in August of 2012. Uh -huh. and that was a great thing because I had a really short period of time to make a difference as chair. And, um, and I did, I use, I pulled out the stops. I used all the marketing and digital um, knowledge that I had at my fingertips. And I was able to really, get a lot of voters from the Czech Republic voting in the 2012 elections. And it got me hooked. I was like, Amazing. oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I have to do this in a broader level. So that's <laughs> when I got into the global, uh, into the global world of Democrats abroad. And, uh -huh. and you know, I, I, I was uh, working, helping with data. And then I became the, the global secretary. And then I became the global chair in 2017. Wow. And yes, you, you say you were helping with data and I have a feeling that you said something in Slack that suggested to me that you built a lot of what we use. Well, um, in 2015, Alex, uh, Alex Montgomery, Sherry Temple and myself, we basically put together the first website, you know, the, the website that we're using on nation builder. Right. And then we also, um, around this in 2016, we, uh, started using intercom for our help our help desk mm -hmm. and we brought in call hub and uh, for our phone banking. And then, um, you know, in 2018, fast forward to 2018, uh, you know, we redid vote from abroad. That was something, a 2017, 2018 project. We basically completely redid it, made it really user-friendly and uh, brought it in back to ourselves because before we were using another provider's um, backend and just had, we kind of white, white labeled it. But um, in 2017 and 2018, we, made a vote from abroad our own. And it's a oh, really, okay. it's the easiest voter um, registration tool that there is on the market at the moment for overseas voters. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Because I know it was around in 2012. Oh, it was indeed. I mean, there's been various yeah. uh, versions of it. Yeah. Um, but it, I, we, we, we completely redid it. And I, I, it, I wasn't involved at the global level then, but I remember being told that it was the best way to register and there were great advantages, but I never had the advantages explained to me. And I had a, I had developed a personal relationship with my local election official in Massachusetts. So I always went directly to the state. It was only when I got involved at the global level a year or so ago that I started understanding why vote from abroad is really a superior way to go for voters overseas well, or it's outside the country. Not only yeah. easier for most people, but it's also like by becoming what's called a UOCAVA voter, by sending in your federal um, postcard application to your state, you're providing, you're getting 
um, federal protection and privileges that local absentee voters don't have. Mm-hmm. Longer deadlines, uh, protections, um, fewer identification requirements, like you don't have to send in a photo ID, et cetera. And so it's actually, there's a lot to be said for being a, a UOCAVA voter or an overseas voter. And we really recommend that because it helps us with our work when we're trying to protect your ballot. We're doing a lot of voter protection this year around that. You know, saying, okay, where's your FBCA form? Going to the local election office and saying, I'm sorry, you here are the rules for these voters. You have to abide by them. Um, let this person register. Wow. Right. It's really important. Yeah. Which is Amazing. interesting because we hear about voter suppression all the time inside the United States. So is there a similar sort of thing outside of the United States? Well, it's all inside the United States, but well, what, what sure. happens is that the local election office might not know the rules for overseas voters. So they're like, okay, it's the same thing as a state absentee voter. They just live in um, Toronto, right. but no, that's actually not true. Um, and we have to make sure that those uh, election officials understand what, uh, you know, what the privileges and the rights are for our voters. And they say, okay, gives us longer registration deadlines, gives us, um, uh, you know, different um, mail-in t- times. Yeah. There's a lot of things that make it easier for us. You know, some of us can email where state absentee voters would not be able to do that. And we, and, uh, why do we have to do that? Shouldn't they know? Uh, no, they don't necessarily know. I mean, you know, remember this year is very unusual okay. um, and they're going to ha- be bringing in lots of new staff. They might not all be in the same office together. It's a, it's a really unusual year. It's hard for those local le- election officials. They might be working out of their homes and they're not going to be able to consult with each other. So, you know, we, we need to give everybody a, a bit of slack. I mean, there are some places where you're like, yes, I think this might be voter suppression, but I think a lot of times it's not, it's not voter suppression. It's just, um, it's not deliberate misinformation. They just don't know. They just don't or know. their training didn't include it because you can't you can't anticipate every single question exactly, that might arise. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just not on the top of their minds when they're handling tens of thousands of vote by mail um, ballot requests. And then suddenly they get a thousand um, overseas voter requests. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fascinating. Mm. Huh. Yeah. So technology, uh, it, it's interesting to talk about this. Like technology is so critical in all of this stuff. Oh, it totally is. And we've been lucky as a party because we are, we are naturally dispersed. We're naturally socially distanced as a state party anyway. And so for us, we are already on Zoom. We are already doing our, running a lot of events online and digitally and communicating with each other in that same way. And so it was not as big of a, an adjustment as it has been for most of the state parties. Right. We had a lot of state parties come to us and say, hey, can you bring your knowledge to us and, and, and kind of help us get over this bump? And really? I've, I've been so proud of them and how they've done that. But I, it was also cool that we were able to highlight what we knew already. Well, it sounds like you were able to raise the visibility of Democrats abroad as a state party with the other states. Well, that's what we're always doing. We're, we are, um, <laughs> that's our job. We okay. do the DNC and we, and our number one job is to make sure they notice Democrats abroad. And it's our job. It's, it's, we're pretty, we're pretty uh, flagrant about it. It's kind of funny, but we, um, we are always like, we are bringing votes to you. It's really important for everybody to understand that our votes are not just Democrats abroad votes. They're Democrats abroad voting in Iowa. They're Democrats abroad voting in North Carolina. So we are helping them and we're there for them. And that's something that we press over and over again. We always talk about how we're the margin of victory. And um, you know, when an American abroad votes, a Democrat back home wins. And I, all of our DNC team talks about that. It's, right. it's, a, it's a great marketing message. 
Right. And somebody, I can't remember, maybe it was Ken Sherman, but I remember hearing someone say, we are the only state party that touches every single one of the other states. That's right. We are, you know, we're the um, Democratic Party outside the United States, and we have voters voting every single congressional district in the United States. I was actually noticing in because we're looking at the number of members in Democrats Abroad Canada who have whose status we don't know. Have they requested their ballot? Have we have they sent it back? We call them. Uh, you may even have invented the term unengaged or not engaged. Oh, I voters. did. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but I did look through the chart. <laughs> I looked through the chart and just for my own out of my own curiosity to see that indeed in Canada, we have members from every state of the union. Yes, absolutely. And Canada's done a great job this year. You guys are at like 75% engagement rate. I know, I'm growing. <laughs> You're right above the Czech Republic. There's a slight race. <laughs> oh, we'll keep working on that then. <laughs> but yeah, We're we- still not in first place yet, I don't think. Oh, no, no. You're in- <laughs> Portugal and Sweden are above you, but don't worry. I, I think Steve is is trying to catch up. Steve is the VA Canada chair. Yes. yes. I have a friendly competition. <laughs> yes, you probably know about the 30-day challenge to issue to the Canadian chapters. What? I don't. <laughs> oh, oh my oh gosh. State secrets. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. He has challenged well, you know, I think we've already blown his challenge out of the water because he challenged every chapter to increase our unengaged rate by 1% of our entire membership rate, um, membership base and we've I think all of us have done that and many of us have gone well beyond that <laughs> that's wonderful that that's amazing and that you can really see the difference this year Canada I mean the fact that a country that is so big has such a high engagement rate really st- speaks to the leadership and the teams working so hard on, on getting out the vote I'm so proud of you guys but the hanks. but yet yeah. it doesn't because one of the numbers that we saw in Canada is of yeah. the people who can vote yeah it's still only six, seven percent who actually take the time to vote. But those are the people that you guys know. Yes. Remember, a lot of people in Canada are are voting by state absentee ballot. It's the country with the highest level of state absentee voting, and uh, so it's you guys are competing with that pool of voters. Right, because they may not be DA members. They're taking care of it on their own. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's the easiest country to do that from because. They probably might be driving over the border to register or, you know, it's, it's a it's a lot easier. And that's why it's so, so great, actually, when we see your increase, like you guys have increased your um, visitors to vote from abroad by two times. Um, wow. What you guys were in 2016. And that's that's really, really good. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of it in Canada is because we are so connected to the United States with just time zones and TV coverage, and everything else. Um, we have our own view of the United States right now and the president right now. But but for you over almost literally on the other side of the world, like when, when you talk to people who are not American citizens, what are you hearing from them about what the way they view the United States right now? They are, um, they just cannot believe the leadership. They think, you know, it's like, it's a reality TV show gone wrong. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's what it is. (laughs) Leadership in quotes too. I know. I know. I mean, and you know, for them, they've always seen the United States as a country that is going to be a leader and that, you know, is leading on environment and you know, we had so many years under the in the Obama administration where President Obama was really a figure around the world who was, who was a figure of authority and a figure of respect. And here we are now, and our leader is a figure of fun 
And he's also um, someone who everyone considers a, uh, almost as bad as Hitler uh, abroad. Really? It's, yeah, I would. I think so. I mm-hmm. think people really see him for the authoritarian um, tyrant that he is trying to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do they see him as an authoritarian tyrant? Or I think we in Canada just sort of look at him as, yeah, a wannabe tyrant. <laughs> and he can't well, quite he figure is, out how to yeah. do it properly. Yeah, except he's well, doing great damage to democracy while he's flailing around trying to become the authoritarian tyrant. Well, everyone is taking the long view. You know, Europeans see history in the timeline. And, and right now, this is he is uh, in the 1930s. And in, in that in that period of time when the German people were deciding to keep on voting for him for the economy. Yes. Hitler. Hitler was elected. Yes. I mean, he, exactly. he did not take over the country by force. He took over the country through elections. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's where everyone's looking at it. They're looking at that timeline and saying, here we are now. Mm-hmm. Where will the United States be going next? Mm-hmm. As are we. <laughs> Well, simply because of the dirty games that get played, right? I mean, I, I think it seems pretty clear that there's a majority of people right now who favor Joe Biden. But I think everyone's holding their breath to, you know, to see what the effect of voter suppression and gerrymandering and Russian interference college. and electoral college. Yeah, we we that's it's all still up in the air. Mm-hmm. That's right. And that's why, you know, we can't let down our, our pace. We need to keep on going. We need to not just look at the polls, but make sure people are going to the polls and make sure we are sending our ballots back. That's why, you know, these last few weeks are crucial for us in terms of voter return. We want to make sure that that uh, 300,000 voters who did not successfully return their um, ballots in 2016, that that number is much more, like, much smaller this time. Yeah, yeah. So where will you be on election night, Julia? <laughs> I'll be sitting in my, my desk chair. <laughs> aren't we all yes you know, i know i uh, there won't be any election night parties or anything this year it's all going to be us uh, sitting at home well there will be virtual we oh, are yes. having a virtual watch party across canada so i know i think i'm, I'm going to try to come to as many of them as possible so that would be great be, yeah there'll be a global watch party for country committees that don't have events and then a lot of countries will have their own events too and, and do you have a prediction for what will happen happen the day after the election? Well, let's think about what happened in 2018. Sure. In 2018, oh, remember what happened in 2018? Um, I remember going to a party at eight in the morning in the Czech Republic and the map of the United States was a, li- a little bit red and everyone's nervous. They're like, we thought we were going to win the house. And I was like, you know, we got to wait. The ballots are still coming in yeah. and this is going to not, it's not going to be a tidal wave. It's going to be a, a t- a tide coming in of, of votes. And that is really what happened throughout the next day. We saw elections being called and we saw the tide rising in the map of the United States turning blue. And I think that's what's going to happen on November 4th, November 5th and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder how long it's going to take. If it's going to be a day, two days, three days, two weeks, three weeks before we even know the numbers. Exactly. I mean, it really depends. There's so many ballots that are getting sent in now, you know, 25 million at least have been voted. Um, and in some states, you can start counting ahead of time. You can't declare the results or, or call, um, you know, say anything. But in Florida, you can start counting 22 days ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And every state's, of course, different because that's how we roll in the U.S. But, you know, in some really crucial states, they're, they're going to have counted a lot of the ballots by the time November 3rd's over. 
And that's the key. It's a balance between what the counting dates allow and which states are critical for whose path. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, boy. So let's talk about Democrats abroad into the future. Mm. What would you like to see us doing after whatever the outcome? And we know what we hope for. Exactly. Well, you know, the first thing we need to do is we need to amend the federal law that protects overseas voters because it's a great law, but it only goes so far. And we've seen um, the loopholes and problems that it, it leaves open for states to solve. And those were, you know, I think I think it was done deliberately to give states some leeway and thinking that states would um, protect their voters anyway, but we need to close that gap. We need to close those, those, those holes in the, the legislation and make it more protective of overseas voters. And so that's going to be one of the first things that we do is work on amending the, the law, which is called UACAVA. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to that. We are currently gathering lots and lots of data from um, voters who are having issues and who are just reporting back um, their experiences We'll, we will be using that data to go to our, our our allies and friends in Congress and say, hey, while you're working on voter laws, we need to include this as well. Hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we're going to be um, working with our friends in Congress to help them with uh, the progressive legislation that they're going to be pushing forward. You know, this is a great opportunity right now for us to help them. We are the only constituency that really experiences a lot of the laws they're going to be trying to pass and, and the benefits of those laws. So it's not theoretical to us. This is reality. So we can take our st- stories to them and give them a lot of information about the impact of this uh, progressive legislation on our lives that will help them when they're putting together legislation for Americans. Because mm-hmm. we have noticed that over the past little bit with with Democrats leaving, living abroad is they do tend to be way more progressive than Democrats even living inside the United States. That's right, because we know what the benefit is for, you know, good cost, uh, low, low cost public education and public transportation and, yeah. and of course, health care. Yeah. So we know, we see it with our own eyes. We experience it. It's not scary to us. It's not a theoretical dream. It's reality. Right. And it even seems that uh, <laughs> I'm hesitating about whether I should say this, but Uh-oh. when people <laughs> when people leave the U.S., a lot of Republicans become Democrats. <laughs> well, I've never met a Republican abroad who doesn't like their health care. Right. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's really right. true. I, I have met plenty of Republicans abroad, but they don't want to give up their health care. And I find that very funny and also a bit <laughs> hypocritical. Yeah. <laughs> Depending yeah. on what they're taking back home, yeah. I know, exactly. It's so true. Well, and I think you're very right that that living outside of the United States, we tend to look at inside the United States and wonder why certain things are just so complicated. Like, just just do what the rest of the world already has. Absolutely. Um, but again, it's, you know, the United States is a giant island. It's very hard for them to believe that what works other places is going to work for them. Right. And that's something that we need to make sure they see that it can work for them. It can work for people just like them um, and uh, without scary ramifications. It's true. It is. Yes. The gaze is very much inward in the U.S. and always has been. I went to school in Vermont, which is not quite as far north as you can get in the U.S., but pretty darn far. And yet years later, when I moved to Canada, that sense driving further and further north that we were about to drive off the map as we crossed the border. (laughs) 
You know, that's, that's a very American um, v- worldview. Oh, yes. Yeah. So if you if you ever drive through North Dakota, it just gets emptier and emptier and emptier. And then you come to the Canadian side in Manitoba and all of a sudden there's people all over the place. And it's just it's weird how it's the, the board. You cross the border from nothing into a fairly busy, uh, bustling area. And it's the same you know bit of dirt. It's just a different country. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, you know, that's pretty far south. That's probably the tropics for Manitoba. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, it does seem to, sometimes that people are just afraid of change. And uh, there's a feeling that this has been the way that it always is. And um, there's no need to change it at all. I think that people are told really scary stories and, and they're right. like, oh, my goodness. You know, people tend to remember scary stories. I don't remember the, the um, oh, the positiveness that we can tell them they, they get, they have a, a, a deep fear of what's going to happen if they um, don't have their special insurance coverage that they're used to having. And they don't look at their neighbors next door that don't have insurance and whose lives are upended or are people having to, you know, choosing to die because um, rather than make their family be bankrupt, that's, it's hard for people to, to see these um, mm-hmm. stories when they're all living um, in a comfortable life and they're, you know, with their neighbors who have something similar. Yep. Which is why having Obamacare in place was so important because people who have enjoyed the benefit of it now don't want to give it up. Exactly. That's, you know, that has been one of the biggest gifts to America. And I'm so proud of Obama for being able to put that into place. And I think, you know, when we're seeing um, the Trump administration, they know they can't take health care away either. They know that that is the most popular policy in place right now. And uh, so all they can talk about is, oh, we'll give you something even better. But of course, they have nothing. And I, even even Trump supporters, I think, realize that. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I always do find it weird when when it doesn't matter what what your politics are, when when you actually listen to your politicians make no promises whatsoever, but give scary stories or just promise that things will be better, but not explain exactly how. Like, doesn't that make you suspicious? I know what you would think so, but a lot of people want simple stories and uh, they, they believe simple, they believe simple um, lines of of argument. And a lot of Trump supporters are going to be, they're not going to be asking questions about what they're hearing. They're going to say, this person is telling me um, what I want to hear. I'm going to believe this person. And that's who I'm, I'm not going to believe somebody telling me something more complicated. That's why, you know, policy messages are really hard for a lot of voters to parse and, um, you have to stick with really simple lines that, that uh, make a difference. And, you know, I, I think that's one of the, the things about the Democrats is that we are a more complicated party. We are such a, a, a big tent party. We have a lot of messages and it's, it's hard to like parse them down to something really simple for everybody to grab a hold of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what will you be drinking on election night? <laughs> A lot of tea to no. stay awake all night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, there's another question. Yeah. How long are you going to be awake on all that? I know. Well, in 2016, I was awake for 48 hours. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> Maybe even longer. It was a long, long time. Oh, no. So we'll see. I hope that's not the case. I'm, I'm planning to at least nap a little bit. I hope we all can nap. I hope so. Well, I will tell you that toward the end of the evening in the um, Canada watch party, there will be a dance party. So you can join us. (laughs) 
I've heard at two o'clock in the morning. Serious? Yes. Well, maybe two, maybe a little earlier, but yes. If you if you find that you need a little bit of stimulus, <laughs> seven a.m. in the morning, my time. So that might be perfect time. What? We're gonna have a DJ in there dancing? Yes, DJ Dynamic is gonna spin us some Ooh, tunes. Uh, yeah, that would be so fun. At least I'll watch. I'll, I'll I'll tune in. I might not be able to dance it that early in the morning, but it'd be really fun to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watch everybody else dancing. <laughs> Assuming they have their cameras on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Yep. <laughs> it's going to be fun. And, you know, and then after that, we're going to be picking up in the morning in, in, the, in Europe to uh, continue the coverage. And I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be talking about uh, the election results. Well, we should be, start hearing at least um, state level races in the morning on the 4th, I think. So in, in Europe. Yep. All right. Well, well that'll be fun. Oh, yes. And, and it, but I guess the, the question becomes, is there a sense of our job is done and now all we do is sit and watch the results roll in or uh, we're already hearing there's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be all sorts of complications. Is Democrats abroad going to be in the middle of all that as well? Well, you know, in 2018, we did a lot of voter protection work after the election. I'm guessing we'll do the same thing in 2020 as well. We'll see. Voter right. protection being just arguing that uh, somebody's ballot. Oh, yeah. We were talking earlier about curing yeah. um, ballots, and that's something that you can do after the election. So um, you remember in, in Florida, um, Americans abroad have several days um, after the election to get their ballots in. And they can, they also have several days to cure their ballots. So we might be doing a lot of curing of Floridians' uh, mm. ballots or, or helping them get those affidavits in. Right. You know, the, we did the same thing with Arizona and Georgia in 2018. We don't know which states will be impacted, but I know that we're going to be doing um, something. We, we just don't, we can't, um, we can't predict what it will be. Yeah, because you can vote up until, right up until the last minute. Can you vote on election day itself? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in some states, you can register, uh, get your ballot, and then send it back all in one day. All I don't on recommend it, though. Don't do it. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. You, your only way to do that would be email or fax, I guess, to do I know. Well, day. it's yeah. it's only, um, I'll tell you, Arizona has that privilege, but it's, uh, you know, everyone's going to be so busy. Yes. If they get their ballot back, I'd be really kind of surprised. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there's a whole slew of, of um, states on November 3rd that allow you to um, register by email and get your ballot by email, including wow. Arizona and um, Colorado. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's hope none of our members wait that long. <laughs> exactly. I don't recommend it at all. For on, the, on the other hand, if we find new voters. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. Is there anything else you want to say, Julia, that you didn't have a chance to express? Well, I just think uh, the, the fact that there's been so much amazing turnout abroad, I think that's a super duper sign for what's happening in the United States. I'm so proud of all of our members for, you know, get, jumping over these hurdles. I'm so proud of our leaders and the work that they've done to make this happen. And, um, and you know, we have this huge number of volunteers, people like me, people like David and Rachel, all working so hard. And it's a, in a remarkable team. And it, it's been such an honor to be part of this. In our efforts this year. So, yes. and yet I'll oddly be happy when it's done. <laughs> really, I know, I know. But you know, people always are asking me, "Are you tired, Julia?" And I'm like, "No way! This is so exciting. This is uh, the weeks that where we." are doing the most important work that we can be doing. It's ex really exciting times. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Time to rest later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Julia Bryan, for joining us today. 
My pleasure. I'm Rachel Oyster with David Schellenberg in Ottawa, Canada. Thank you for listening to Democrats Abroad, the Blue Vote Cafe. 